The following podcast contains explicit language. Kelly is an undergrad at Howard University. And one night she's back in the dorms studying for finals and decides to take a break and go to a party. She rounds up a couple friends, calls an Uber. The phone rings and it's her driver. So he calls to say he's outside. And I make the observation like, wow, he sounds kind of cute. Uber has a tiny picture of your driver, but you can't really zoom in on it. I looked at it and I was like, he could be cute, he couldn't be, we don't know. I told my friends, we might have a cute Uber driver, there's no guarantee. This is YOY. I'm Andrea Salenzi. Our team is working on a special episode for you coming up next week, using tape that we recorded all over the country on the day of the women's marches. And while we work on that special episode, we have two great stories for you but they don't have much to do with each other. The first one we're going to hear is Kelly's story about what to do when you want to date your Uber driver. Then in the second half of our show, we're going to do your Google search history a favor. You'll hear why. Okay, back to the story. When Kelly's Uber arrived, she finally got a peek at his face. He was a light-skinned African-American. He had a beard. He had glasses. And I was just like, this is the cutest Uber driver I've ever had. But this is where I asked my friend Sam to help me out. He produces the show Bad With Money here at Panoply, and he joined our interview because, years ago, he spent some time as a taxi driver in New York City. This was back before we had Uber. Sometimes there would be women in the back seat, and I would think, oh, this person is very cute. We're having an excellent conversation. But I would think, I'm not going to ask her out because why would she say yes to going on a date with a cab driver? To which Kelly said, I mean, I am only 19, so I'm not going to worry about bagging a lawyer or a doctor or anything <laughs> of the sort at this point. So now Kelly's in the back seat, texting her friend in the front seat. Should I make a move? How? It's like, oh my gosh, I'm nowhere near prepared to ask this stranger out right now. I'm thinking about if I should leave something to try and see him again, etc., cetera, et cetera. And then wait, wait. we pull up. You're thinking about whether you should leave something in the car? Yes. Because a lost item would be the perfect excuse to talk to him again. My mom made the observation that it's kind of similar to in the past when a lady would leave her glove behind. So guy would come back and give it to her, et cetera. Just kind of like old school tricks in the modern era. (laughs) It does feel very like a 1950s movie. So we finally get to our destination and I very stealthily pull my charger out of my pocket and leave it behind the seat. And it's funny because as we were getting out the car, me and my friend got out on the same side, and as she's getting out too, she like whispers to me, and she's like, is that your charger? And I was like, shh. I'm so hung up on this leave a possession behind thing, because that means, <laughs> that means that in a way you're saying, it's worth it to me to have to buy a new one of these things for the possibility that this, this person might call me. It was so spur of the moment. I didn't even give myself time to think about it. But it's like after we got out of the car, it's like, wow, I really just did that. What if this man never brings my charger back? I actually have to buy a new charger. And I had actually recently just got that charger. <laughs> All of these thoughts were running through my head after the fact. But in the moment, I was just like, let me just do it and see what happens. 
So I asked Sam, did a lady ever leave something behind in your cab? Yes, as a matter of fact. Indeed, uh, a knit cap. Sam woefully stares off in the distance. She paid with cash, and I didn't have any way of getting in touch with her, and she didn't contact the taxi garage that I drove for to say I lost my hat. So I just cue pathetic acoustic guitar. Drove around New York City with this knit cap in my cab for like a month and a half, hoping that maybe she would get in again. I even once like slowly drove by the place where I had picked her up in hopes that it was her apartment or something. And then I was like, this is verging on strange. So (laughs) I will not do this anymore. now Kelly's at the party. Her charger is still in the car. She waits about 30 minutes before pretending to notice her charger's missing and calling back the Uber driver. And then it went to voicemail. Please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. I left my charger in the backseat of your car. Is there any way we can meet up so I can get it back? And then the next day... It's ringing and ringing. By now, I'm just like, wow, this is really stupid. Now I don't have a charger. I'm never going to see this guy again. I'm never going to get my charger back. I'm going to have to buy a new charger. And then it goes to voicemail again. As a last-ditch effort, she fills out the lost form in the Uber app. And then that night while she's studying... Oh, this is your Uber driver. I did find a charger in the back seat. They agree to meet up the next morning after her big econ final exam. And that night she crams until four in the morning, wakes up at eight in the morning, takes a test, and then heads right back to bed. She wakes up and he's texting her. Now a good time? She's like, Now's good, but can you give me 20 minutes? I'm in the middle of something. The reason why I asked for 20 minutes was because I still looked like death from my lack of sleep and test. <laughs> So I used that time to wake myself up, splash some water on my face, put on a little bit of makeup, you know, make sure I look a little bit more presentable, change my outfit. She heads outside, looking great. So I finally uh, get to his car, and I'll, like, knock on the passenger side window, and he rolls it down. And now I have, like, a very, very good look in his face because it's daytime, like, I'm direct sight, and it's like, yes, he's still cute. You know, I'm like, oh, thank you so much. I don't know what I was doing without my charger. Thanks for bringing it back. Basically just showering him with admiration for taking the time out of his day to come bring back my charger. So she says, excuse me if this is really forward, but would you like to go out sometime? And he chuckles and smiles at me and he's like, text me. And that's it. Happily ever after. Cue the sound effect. That's not why we're talking to Kelly. (laughs) The next day, Kelly texts her cute Uber driver. Oh, hey, I'm Kelly, by the way. The text is marked as red, but no reply. She tries again. And I just sent, like, the emoji with the little... Two eyes looking like, oh, what's up? And then he writes back. Oh, sorry. I've had a hectic couple of days. How are you, though? She writes back. 
well, just so you know, like I leave on Monday to go home. Do you want to try and meet up before then? A couple hours go by. And he says, I don't want to BS. I'm married. Oh, what? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yep. And before you walk away saying, This is terrible. This is a terrible story. There is a lesson here. The next time Kelly wants to shoot her shot, she's not going to get her charger involved. I don't think I leave the charger again. I feel like this probably gave me the confidence that I need to know that it's really not that hard to do. And I can just do it without all of this runaround, all of the games, just be direct about it. All that, and she passed her econ final. Kelly originally told the story herself with gifts and selfies. She's on Twitter at Kelly Amira, and we have a link to that full story in the show notes. And now for the second half of our show. Or should I say the bottom half? We're going to talk about everything you ever wanted to know, but we're too ashamed to Google about your butt. I recently had a friend whisper to me, have you ever thought about hemorrhoids as a show topic? And honestly, I didn't know the difference between a hemorrhoid and a hernia, what an anal fissure is. There's some things that I feel like adults haven't explained to me yet. But now that I'm an adult, I think I need to learn about it. I just don't really want to look it up. And I thought you guys might be having a similar experience. So first, we found the perfect guest. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia Raymond. I'm a gastroenterologist in Virginia Beach, and I'm a fellow of the American College of Gastroenterology. Online, she makes videos under the name Butt Medlar. Videos about things like what's involved in a colonoscopy. Just got home from pharmacy, guzzled my go lightly. Got to sit down, take a rest on the commode. Colon prep, it kicks in. Pretty soon I'm pooping. Do, 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 pooping out my back door. And now, may I present? This is the user's guide to your butt. And just to make things a little easier to digest, oh! I'm going to add some fancy-ass Radiolab on crack-style sound design to this episode. This way you can think about something else while you take in all of this important information about your butt. Here we go. I just think that the GI tract is just so beautifully designed. You know, from, from the point of view of a gastroenterologist, you, you go into medicine and you're never sure what you're going to do. And then you kind of fall in love with an organ system. And, and whoever knew you'd want to be a poopologist, you know, this is not what you said, oh my God, I want to go to medical school because I want to discuss stool all day. You know, you've got this GI tract where it goes the food goes in your mouth, it just travels down the esophagus, which is about a foot and a half long, and it's just a muscular tube. It ends up in the stomach, and the stomach does the rest of the grinding your teeth didn't do, and kind of washes it around like a washing machine and grinds it up, squirts it out into the small intestine, where it gets joined by pancreas juices and bile duct juices and gets all kind of mixed up and homogenized and digested. It absorbs into the lining of the small intestine, which is 26 feet long, 
once it gets out of there, because it's this whole tumbled mix of bowels down in the midsection of your belly, once it gets out of there to the colon, the colon just says, okay, this is leftover. Let's suck the excess water out, make these into socially acceptable packets. And they travel around the colon, and at a proper social time for you, they pop out of the bottom end. I think that that's just such an elegant system. It's such a wonderful thing. Really well done. I mean, you got to say bravo rectum, right? You know, that's very cool. The science of intestinal gas is that people pass about four liters a day. Now think about that volume. That's two two-liter Coke bottles full of gas. And you may be belching, you may be farting, you're probably belching little amounts and you're not even noticing it. But like it's everybody, it's, it's the nice ladylike woman and it's the guy, you know, with the, with the low-lying trousers and it's everybody. Everybody passes about four liters gas a day and that's just how we're built. you got two different kinds of farts. You've got, if you remember high school, you have silent but deadly, and then you got those really noisy ones. The noisy ones that don't smell bad are because of what we call aerophagia, actually swallowing air. So you're drinking water from a bottle, or you're drinking through a straw, or you're drinking carbonated beverages, or you just have a dry mouth and you're swallowing a lot, or you're chewing gum, you're actually swallowing mouthfuls of air. Personally speaking, I wear a CPAP device, so I fart all morning. So if you're shoving air down into your stomach, it has to go downstream, and it will either come out as belches or farts, but they'll be not smelly because it's just atmospheric air. But the thing is, they're kind of large volume, so most of the time you can actually feel they're down there, and it's like not a socially acceptable time for you to let one loose. So most patients will kind of tighten up down there to try to keep from having it come out. When you tighten up, it's just like exhaling with your lips pursed. It actually causes noise. So the best thing you can do if you're about to pass some gas is actually to relax down below. And as long as you're pretty sure that it's air, just let her, let her out because it's not going to cause any noise. But they've actually done studies and found that the noise of, a, of passing gas of having flatus, if you want the medical term, has to do with how tightly your anal area is, is clenched and how tightly your butt cheeks are clenched and actually the amount of moisture and the amount of fat in your gluteal tissue down there. So, you know, the best thing you could do, passing something out, just kind of relax and let it come on out. You don't want to make those noises. Silent but deadly ones happen when you eat something that your body doesn't absorb. So it goes downstream and your small intestine doesn't fully absorb whatever the carbohydrate is or the sugar that you ate or the grease. It doesn't absorb it. It gets downstream to the colon where there's a trillion bacteria in the colon. And the bacteria in the colon kind of eat and ferment this material and make gas. And it's the nasty hydrogen sulfide gas and what they call volatile amines. It is nasty, nasty critter stuff, but it's a very, very small volume. And so you don't even notice that it's there. And so you don't get the cue to purse things up. You, it, it just comes out and it smells like something died. So when you have a person with smelly gas, you need to wonder about whether they're malabsorbing. When you have somebody who has loud but not smelly gas, 
then it's usually just uh, something that they're, they're swallowing air in some method. And you usually have to ask the significant other and not the patient because they can't tell the smell. <laughs> just in case you were wondering, you can't tell, ask your friends. We don't know. Everyone is individual. They say that a normal bowel movement pattern is anywhere between three times a day and three times a week. But having said that, we have patients who poop once every three weeks. We have patients who poop seven times a day. And there's nothing wrong with either of those as long as you're not uncomfortable with that pattern. So if you're pooping seven times a day and you're not rushing to the bathroom, that's cool. If you're pooping once every three weeks and you're not straining so hard that veins are popping out of your neck every time you do that, that's fine too. But on average, you're talking about a 24-hour transit time. So uh, the way to check that out, if you're a curious uh, citizen scientist and want to know how fast your bowels are moving, you can eat corn. Corn on the cob. Just eat the corn now, see when it comes out. It'll be about 24 hours. There's so many different things that can happen in your anal area. Starting in sort of your 20s, 30s, 40s, things may not be working quite as well as they used to when you were younger. Frankly, probably people are more aware of it nowadays with the ability to flip your iPhone around and take a selfie down there and find out what's happening. Hemorrhoids, uh, there is a big net or what we call a plexus of veins down at the very bottom end of the anal area that are called the hemorrhoidal plexus. And there's two different flavors, if you will, of hemorrhoids. There's the external hemorrhoid, which if you get down there with your little selfie, it looks like a little blueberry down there. Or there's internal hemorrhoids, which are internal. Now, the main difference is that the external hemorrhoid can burn and itch and kind of painfully bleed, where the internal hemorrhoid can bleed without any pain or discomfort at all. The major thing is that you need to look down there to see what it is. Hemorrhoids aren't a big issue. If you have external hemorrhoids, it's mostly about not bearing down so hard, keeping the area clean. Usually we tell people pre-moistened baby wipes, some with aloe or that are hypoallergenic. And if they actually clot, which is what they call thrombosis of a hemorrhoid, which is very, very painful, your choices are either to wait because in about two to three days, the pain goes away as the clot starts to shrink or to go see your friendly uh, colorectal surgeon who will uh, cut the hemorrhoid or lance the hemorrhoid and get the, the clot out of there. One thing that you might find that people mistake for hemorrhoids all the time is what's called rectal prolapse, where in a person who's relatively constipated and they're bearing down really, really hard, their rectum itself can invert into itself and kind of come out. And so you get this kind of tubular structure coming out of your anal sphincter that's uh, very concerning to people. And it looks kind of like if you had like a Swiss roll coming out of your bottom, kind of a rolled structure rather than little blueberry things coming out. The anal canal, which is only about half an inch to three quarters of an inch deep, actually can get a tear. It's sort of like a paper cut. So if a big hard bowel movement comes through the anal canal and kind of 
pulls it open, rips it open. You actually develop a tear in the anal canal. And then this little bulb or this little round area is seen on the outside area. We call that a skin tag. And that skin tag actually occurs, but it's not the painful thing. So patients will come in thinking they have an external hemorrhoid and will look at it and it's not blue. But the anal canal, because of the, the rip, will be all spastic and spasmy and really in discomfort. And if we try to get our finger up in there, it really doesn't want to go at all. So an anal fissure is, is pretty awful. We don't know why it developed that way, but the anal area actually has more nerves than your fingertips or your genital area. So when you actually tear your sphincter like that, it hurts horribly. It's like a hot poker coming up down there. And uh, until we actually make your stools completely liquidy so they can kind of sneak out down there without pulling and re-ripping that area, you're in pretty bad discomfort. It's, it's really kind of bad. When you come in with an anal issue, generally we'll have you undress from the waist down and you'll be laying on your side on the table properly draped and we will come toward the rear door usually with a flashlight or a, one of those uh, lights that we can focus on the area. We'll take a look at the area, see if there's anything going on at the external area, make sure there's no irregularities, anal cancers, evidence of any sort of genital warts like condyloma, which is a sexually transmitted disease. Make sure there's no evidence of any like herpes, which would be like little blistery things around the area. And people can even get yeast infections around their anal area. So we'll look at the exterior area. And then we'll glove up and lube up and we will insert and we'll actually feel around the margins of the rectum. Do we feel any abscesses? Do we feel any masses? You know, what if anything is going on that we can actually feel in the canal? Because sometimes for that patient with the rectal bleeding who has the anal cancer, we'll put our finger up and we can actually run into something that's not supposed to be there. It's one of those things where you, you aren't discussing it with your girlfriends, you're not discussing it with your doctors, you're not discussing it with people, and you've just got such a shame about this area because of the social implications. And there, there needs to not be shame about it. It is so fixable. It is so understandable. But nobody wants to discuss it. That was Dr. Patricia Raymond. You can find her educational music videos online under the name Butt Meddler. That's it for today's show. We'll be back next week with an episode about the Women's March. Thank you, everyone who just signed up for our newsletter. We're sending out our first batch of free YOY swag this week. Also in there, we have info about our first singles meetup. It's coming up Valentine's Day in Brooklyn. Join us. Visit our website, yoy.sexy, for the details. Also, we're looking for some unique perspectives on dating as a non-drinker. If that's you, send us a note, yoy at panoply.fm. Our show is produced by me, Andrea Salenzi. Our producer is Lindsay Cradwell. Our editor is Hilary Frank. Our artwork changes every week thanks to Teddy Blanks at chips.nyc. Our theme music is by Andy Miklas, Casey Holford, and Lee Rosifer. We also use Creative Commons tracks this week by Steve Combs, Niall Orr, Monk7, Benedict, 
all available on the Free Music Archive. Special thanks to Mia Lobel, Laura Mayer, and Andy Bowers at Panoply. On a future YOY, not to brag, I share a special moment between me and a Canadian citizen. <laughs> uh, uh. <gasps> oh Andrea Slenzi. Will you marry me? <laughs> uh, uh. That's the sound. <laughs> my knees are very bad. I have bad knees. What? And then the I second time I was time. the second time I was trying to wrench open a, a box that had a very large diamond ring in it. Oh my god. Uh. <laughs> um okay. <laughs> 